Hey, before the show starts, we want to let you know that the Cybersecurity Marketing Society's annual conference, Cyber Marketing Con 2022, will be held this year, November 16th through 18th in Arlington, Virginia. And yes, there will also be a virtual option. You really don't want to miss it. We'll have two days jam-packed with cybersecurity marketing strategies, ideas, metrics, insights. It's going to be the place to be. Visit cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com and click on conference to grab your ticket. We'll see you there. Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your hosts, Maria Velasquez. Joining me is my awesome kick-ass co-host, Gianna Whitfer. And today we are so excited to welcome a pretty cool and different view on cybersecurity marketing. Today we're joined by Clark Barron. He is the Demand Gen Manager at Nisos and previously Product Marketing Manager at Fish Firewall. Clark, welcome and thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I am beyond excited. I have been looking forward to this all week. Awesome. So first, I'd like to start off by just telling us your story. And there is an interesting part where you came across the Cybersecurity Marketing Society and your story gets even more interesting there. So walk us through it. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I came into cybersecurity as an outsider a couple of years ago. Before that, I was working with digital agencies, doing some consulting work and a little bit of B2B, a little bit of B2C. I was working with everybody from Exxon to Jimmy Buffett and small businesses, everything in between. I have always romanticized cybersecurity, particularly social engineering, penetration testing. Like that's just the coolest stuff ever as just a huge Mr. Robot fan. Things like that. I was watching DEF CON talks years before I even knew about this. And so I started to realize that there are not a lot of differences in the soft skills required to be something like a pen tester and a really good marketer. The similarities just keep going and going. And admittedly, my hard skills are garbage. But having that hacker mindset and just looking to exploit vulnerabilities, that's what we do as marketers. And so my approach coming into cybersecurity was, let's just think like hackers. We're talking about the same messaging and same exploits that marketers have been running for so long without realizing that, honestly, the only difference between a cyber attack and a marketing campaign is that one of them's legal. <laughs> We're definitely going to jump into this in a much deeper way later on in this episode. Oh, yeah. But yeah, continue talking to us about your journey, how you joined the society. Yeah, it was really interesting because I didn't know of any groups like this that existed. And it was one of those just safe places that I was introduced to where everybody was just kind of commiserating over the same things, sharing ideas, helping each other out. The welcoming party from everybody was just instant. I'd reached out to a couple of my connections on LinkedIn and said, hey, I'm a free agent now. What's going on? What do you suggest? And so I was instantly 
introduced to the society, the Cool Kids Club, and introduced there to a lot of amazing people and posted on the job board. Well, actually, I was introduced via the job board and so many people reached out. I had so many different conversations, so many different products and companies and roles and just a lot of people going, wait, who are you? What are you doing? And so having those conversations where people were starting to understand, like, hey, I'm an outsider. You tell me what you guys do. It was great. I would not be in the role that I have right now were it not for the society, hands down. Oh, we love to hear that. That's so wonderful. That's really, really nice to hear. Quick plug for everyone listening. If you're a cybersecurity marketer or trying to get into a full-time role at a cybersecurity company, reach out to us at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com and apply to join the group. We'd love to have you. Cancel your LinkedIn premium and all that garbage. Join the society. It will be the best career choice you ever make. Love that. Hands down. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is a commercial for us now. This is great. (laughs) You didn't know this is what we... Hey, hey, we turn it into commercial. We're marketers. I know how this works. (laughs) We'll get it out there. Well, thank you. Thank you for the plug, Clark. Gianna, (laughs) I know you're dying to get into the messaging and the branding. Take it over. Yeah. So, Clark, your philosophy is that marketers are essentially hackers, which is so cute. I love it. (laughs) It's, It's a different way of thinking. In some ways, it might seem a little like, not degrading, but makes us seem a little more dangerous than we are. How can marketers apply this approach to messaging, branding, and the approach from the 10,000-foot view? Sure. So I totally get what you mean. There might be kind of a negative connotation there. I totally get that. But also, we have to consider that certified ethical hacker is a thing. Marketers, a lot of times, don't realize the kind of powers that they have, and they have to make a choice to use them for good. That's kind of the way I look at it. Are we certified ethical marketers? We can okay, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> you know what? I have a better title. Certified ethical marketing hackers. Oh, that's much better. <laughs> that's so much better. I mean, that doesn't get better in terms of getting close and personal with our persona, right? Yeah. I think I'll change yeah. my title on LinkedIn to that now. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go with certified ethical marketer back at something. (laughs) That's pretty good. But it's one of those things that once you really take a look at it, I mentioned earlier that the skills are the same. If we tear apart and kind of reverse engineer, here comes the hacker philosophy and mentality, the way we approach things like our messaging, then we will really realize that there's no difference in what we're doing and what cyber attackers are doing. And if you take a look at things like the actual anatomy of a cyber attack, hackers do recon, we build personas, and it just keeps going on and on with automation and controlling and deploying exploits and researching vulnerabilities or pain points. It's all the same. And once you take a step back and realize that our audience, the one group of people that we're trying to sell you'll realize that our audience is made up of world-class experts defending against exactly what we're trying to do. And whether they realize it or not, they're not even thinking about it. They're just doing it. Their mindset takes over, even maybe on a subconscious level, and no, we're the threat. I, as a marketer, am the threat actor. I'm trying to exploit a vulnerability within this organization to try to get you to click on something. Imagine that. People with spear phishing campaigns, 
They design landing pages. It's all the same. I'm trying to get you to click a link in an email, go to a landing page, fill out a form just so I can deliver my value. I mean my value. <laughs> <laughs> Malware. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would be so good at doing spear phishing, I think. Maybe that's my next career after this. Maybe we farm a hacking, like a true never mind. I didn't say this. It's not recorded. Ethical it- marketers. Ethical, Ethical <laughs> marketers. So yeah, Clark, give us another three or four examples of the side-by-side that you just did, like the hackers and then what is the equivalent on the marketing side? Because that was brilliant. Yeah, sure. So I've actually completely deconstructed this entire process. If you look at the actual anatomy of a cyber attack, you get recon, which is we create personas. We weaponize. We create our content. Then you deliver. You're actually trying to deliver your exploits. Well, that's go to market. What are your actual exploits? They're your pain points. And then you install whatever you want to within that system, or we automate it. And then what do we want to do from there? We want to completely control everything. So we retarget. No matter where you go, I'm going to find you. And then we just maintain. That's the name of the game is just maintain control. So we're going to nurture that account until it closes. That is good stuff. So it closes and we get Bitcoin. Wait, did he just mic drop? He did oh just mic God, drop. Oh my God, Clark just mic dropped. <laughs> Clark, that's not good for can't, your mic. <laughs> can't really, I forgot my prop mic. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, but once we really, really take a look at this, it is there in black and white. Here's the thing I like to say. Marketers are running the same exploits against vulnerabilities that were patched 20 years ago. It's time to change the game. Oh, snap. So can you walk us through, Clark? So I know you have a specific campaign you did that changed the game and that you did this sort of backwards thinking, like think like a hacker deconstruct analysis at Fish Firewall. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. So it involved a lot of our paid campaigns in our paid search and our paid social. It actually started with copy. And it started from a messaging point of view. And we ended up deploying this to a couple different campaigns. But the one that started it all was after we evaluated messaging and voice and branding and actually trying to inject a little bit of personality into what we were presenting. Because I shared with our founder, one of the things that I noticed before coming into the industry, one of the things I did is before I sent out a resume or a connection request or anything, for three months, I just shut my mouth. And I just watched. I just watched what everybody was doing. I watched what they were saying. And I jumped in everyone's funnel. And I just kind of audited everything. And I noticed that every single landing page I went to, every single homepage I went to was the same seven acronyms and the same seven words jumbled up together and just, here's what we do. And as a non-technical person, which some of our buyers are going to be, we have to pay attention to things like that. And we also have to pay attention to our more technical buyers that are going to call BS on a lot of what we're trying to say. Zero trust is not a product. It's a philosophy. AI, unless you actually have data from Star Trek walking in the door, then no, it's not artificial intelligence. And so injecting these kind of buzzwords into messaging and hoping to shock and surprise and impress anybody is just not an approach that we felt was going to work. 
for a couple of these different campaigns, what we did is we just changed the messaging. We'll talk a little bit about getting stakeholder buy-in, which is super important. And fortunately, I was working with a founder that got it. And so I said, let's deconstruct what a cybersecurity landing page looks like. And B2B, B2C, doesn't matter. Vast majority of product landing pages are going to have that big hero banner. They're going to have two or three different bullet points, a call to action, maybe a video or something, and it's going to go from there. And I said, what if we just change it? What if we just change, not necessarily the layout, but we changed what you're actually reading? Let's do something like, okay, we'll keep these three bullet points, but instead of... AI this and zero trust this and blah, 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 blah. We're going to take that all down and we're going to say, enjoy a completely different cybersecurity landing page. And we're just going to completely subvert their expectations from the very beginning. They're expecting one thing and they're getting something completely different. We know what they're expecting. But instead, what we're going to do is we're going to say, enjoy a completely different cybersecurity landing page. And then our three bullet points are going to be something to the effect of there's no gate on the demo. Marketing has blocked all the IPs of sales so you can browse in peace. Things like that. And we started testing these messages and we were getting emails. I was getting emails. I got a job offer off of it. It was insane, the kind of response. And we did that knowing this could explode in our faces from the very beginning. But I was working with a founder that was just like, yeah, we've got to break through the noise. We've got to say something different than what everybody else is saying. And it paid off. It was one of those things that if you're having those conversations like, hey, I want to have a button with no text on it. I just want to have a big green button with zero text on it. <laughs> Wouldn't, wouldn't security practitioners be very avert to pushing a button that they don't know where it's going to take them? Well, first thing they're going to do is they're going to hover that link and make sure that it's secure. Ooh, second, good point. Second, their hacker mindset's going to take over and go, I need to press this button. <laughs> I'm, yeah, are you sure that's are you sure that's the hacker mindset, not like the kitty cat mindset that all of us had where we want to press the big I, green button? I'm waiting to hear the difference. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because I think that that approach lets your audience know that we get it. Where other people don't get it, we actually do. We understand the game. Just jump in the funnel. Just whatever. It doesn't have to be a certain call to action. There are so many different things online, different blog posts and posts on LinkedIn saying, should I say, get a demo, request a demo, free demo, live demo now. Just put your demo on your page. Just put it on there. It's a sales tool, not something you should be guarding. Self-awareness. Just make the information available. They'll let you know if it's good enough. Trust me, they'll come back if it's good enough. It's things like that to just say, can we just cut the crap? I experimented with one landing page where I had three buttons. One said, save me time. One said, save me money. And one said, nothing. And to proceed that, there was a question. It said, what can we do for you? Save me time, save me money, or nothing. And we actually had people click the button that said nothing. And so what happened is it was linked to a section ID all the way at the very bottom of the page below the footer, like well, like outside of the map where you're not supposed to be in a video game, just an Easter egg. And it says, yeah, we get it. This industry is really hard. And so I put a form there that said, what's on your mind? And a green button. And that was it. Just nothing. Boom. That's crazy different. When you cut the crap in this campaign... 
Yeah. I imagine the KPIs were not crappy at all. Talk us through what you were tracking. We talk about vanity metrics all the time. Vanity metrics are something that you ask one marketer what a vanity metric is. They're going to say something completely different than maybe another marketer, maybe a demand gen marketer versus a product marketer. And so we were looking at things like time on page, which was interesting. Just how long are you actually reading all of this garbage that we've put up here just to see if you'll read it? All your normal metrics and some of the vanity metrics. We were looking at entries and exits and really peculiar stats on things like time on page. Even weird things that nobody really looks at anymore, like bounce rate. Like, where are you going? Why? Can I hook you with this, what some people might call just garbage copy? That no one's trying, it's not tested, no one's doing anything. And here was one of the main takeaways is... If that first page in particular, if a CMO had been monitoring it and had been looking at your more traditional metrics like MQL, everybody shudders, things like that. (laughs) If you were looking at it from that perspective, it would have failed completely. Absolutely would have failed. We knew that going in. But why are we looking at those type of metrics? I want engagement. I want to set meetings. I want to take ownership a little bit further down the pipeline. Did somebody reach out? Did someone set a meeting? Did someone screenshot my copy and share it in their Slack channel? Can I get in there and figure that out? And so once we started to dive into stuff like that, it was pretty apparent whenever we just got LinkedIn messages and emails directly from people going, who is your marketing person? What are they doing? This is insane. We won. Surprise and delight. Yeah. That's awesome. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more. And then on top of that, probably even more coming soon are available to look at, listen to, and sponsor at HackerValley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows, and uh, sponsor a podcast or two. So when you're talking about bringing people down to like a form in the bottom of the page, in the nowhere zone of the form. Was that inspired by video games? Yes. Was it inspired by Celeste? (laughs) Am I right? Uh, Nailed it. Whoa! Nailed it. Dude, I got chills. I did not see that coming. Nailed it. We're big Celeste players here. Okay, so anyway. (laughs) See, Gianna, you do have an ethical hacker in you. Oh, yeah. And apparently I'm also a mind reader. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so proud. (laughs) Yeah. You bring up a really good point. I try to play to curiosity. I try to reward. They're not even really consumers at that point. They're just users. And it could be a buyer. It could be somebody that's in the trenches on somebody's team. It's just something to make them remember you. Because when you're all saying the same thing, no one's saying anything. A lot of times, marketers are not afforded the luxury to take a shot. And that's a damn shame. And if you can have that conversation to say, okay, look, I've got this insane idea. We might have to lean on sales for a little bit if you actually want to do this. But if you're looking at long-term growth and creating a brand and creating a personality 
for a company that could really see long-term growth just explode and establish themselves as being someone that's willing to take a shot and willing to just say whatever they want, then let me do this. If you're willing to try things like that, you're going to win. I freaking love that. You hear that, CMOs? You hear that, founders? You gotta let it go. You gotta let us do the thing that you're not gonna like. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing because I'm super, super protective over marketing. I don't mean to say that I don't like working on teams or with other, that's not it. I'm very protective of you and you and me and marketers as a whole. Because for the longest time, marketing has been the only single role in the org chart everyone thinks they can do. Every single person in the org chart thinks they can do, they think they can do it better than you, and they feel entitled to give you their opinion and expect you to implement what they say. (laughs) Wait, org chart and beyond org chart, because you've got investors that also have ideas. (laughs) Right. This goes to board members, to the person that randomly saw your ad on Facebook somehow. Just everybody. Everybody wants to tell marketers how to do their job. I don't understand it. Could you imagine walking in to the bullpen with a bunch of analysts and a bunch of engineers and going, hey, what if we do the firewall like this? That doesn't... (laughs) I do that. I read on on LinkedIn. So on Reddit, you've been on Reddit, right? So I saw this thing. Could you imagine? No. (laughs) People would start throwing keyboards at you. But for some reason in marketing, that's allowed. Makes no sense. Why can't we put the firewall in front of the mouse? <laughs> exactly. It's like where I click, like underneath the like clicky button. I think that would be safer. What's the firewall made out of? Is it made of fire or is it meant to stop fire? <laughs> I don't it's made of brick. It's what all the marketing graphics suggest, that firewalls right. are made of brick. <laughs> yeah, speaking of <laughs> cliches. And then you put a fire icon in front of it, though. Oh, my God. For our listeners, Clark is currently putting on his hoodie. My black hoodie, because you know, if you've ever seen an actual hacker, put on your black hoodie. Oh, that's how they know that you're also a hacker, right? Exactly. Like club. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Clark, on the topic of... Everyone wants to tell marketers how to market. Now, my opinion is that you just kind of have to go with it because it's not going to stop. So just be pleasant and smile and not implement anything. But keep soliciting ideas and then just not implementing any of them unless they're good. I get good ideas from the team. Anyway. Sure. All right. So the point is to segue into our next part, which is, and Maria's hysterically laughing, by the way. Sorry, (laughs) Maria. (laughs) The point is... Marketing is the job where a lot of people have opinions, but in this case for your, I'm going to call it wacky campaign, wacky landing page idea, you had to convince your team, your founders, your company, and your board members to do this. How did you do this when we know that so many people want to impress their ideas upon marketers and you come with this completely out of the box, wacky idea? How did you do that? So I think a lot of it has to do with the type of organization that you're in. I mean, let's just face it, a lot of bigger organizations you're not going to be able to do this. I have that level of self-awareness that I know that. However, what you can do is change the way you look at conversations with leadership. And enough of that will start to chip away at that firewall you're trying to break through, right? 
And when you have CMOs or CEO or a founder or a board that's just a staunch advocate of everything that you don't want to do, then you have to look at it from a different perspective. You have to find a different exploit. And one of the things that I found was most effective is saying, look, we're invested in the long-term future of this company. You want leads? I'll go get you leads. I can have the cell phone number and dog's middle name of every CISO in the entire country in seven seconds. Give me 30 grand. It's done. We'll just eliminate a marketing position. Done. Right there. There are your leads. Now, your SDRs aren't going to be happy. Your AEs aren't going to be happy. No one's going to be happy. Your director of sales, everybody's going to hate me. But you're going to get what you want. It's a really, really hard conversation to have. But if you take supreme ownership over the product and the company and have that pride in your own work to where you know that this conversation has to happen. It does. And a lot of people say, life's too short to work with a CEO that doesn't get marketing. I think that's kind of a cop-out because you should have those conversations and see if they're open. Because if they don't get marketing, whose fault is that? I think it's ours. If they're just unwilling to listen, then sure, maybe join the society, right? But... (laughs) On the other hand, if they're willing to have a conversation, then that door is open. There's still a vulnerability there to exploit. And you can start by having conversations like what I mentioned earlier about we're invested in the long-term growth. Like, do you really want MQLs? I can get you MQLs. And guess what? Guess who's going to define what that MQL is? Me. So everything that you're going to get is going to be an MQL because they're within our audience. They are our buyers. We know they're qualified to be marketed to. Like That just lends itself to a pipeline that's kind of disjointed, not having really good conversations and alignment between sales and marketing. And you see this a lot of times in early stage startups that are looking for that growth hack. They're looking to explode. Supernovas are super bright, but they don't last very long. I'm not looking for the top fuel dragster. I'm looking for the diesel that just will not quit. And that's what you want to buy. And that's the message that you have to get across. So before you can take the big shots, you got to get some small wins. And the only way you're going to get there is to have that conversation. As hard as it may be, you've got to have it. Because if you're doing it for the company, if you're doing it for your team, even if you're selfishly doing it for yourself, because it will determine the course of your tenure at your company. Because if you don't have that conversation, then you're going to know every single time you hit send, nobody's going to respond to this. I don't know why I'm doing this. This is not what we should be doing. We've all been in situations like that where we know that what we're about to send out into the world is like, this is garbage. No one's listening to me. Do you really want to work in that kind of environment? Take a shot. Catapulting some garbage. Yeah. Not going to work. Clark, you just gave me an idea to start creating a series where cyber marketers and cyber founders can come together and debate and ask each other questions and put each other in each other's shoes. And maybe that'll change something. Or maybe Gianna, we should start inviting some cyber founders to be on the podcast and tell us their side of the story. Listeners, do you want to hear cybersecurity founders on the podcast, send us an email at hey there at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. We want to know what you think. We want to bring on the guests that you want to hear, founders or not, (laughs) and let us know. I will be more than happy to come on and play family therapist. 
Love that. We're going to take you up on that. It's kind of one of those things that you have to do. And that's really how you have to look at it because we spend a lot of time developing personas and our ideal customer profiles and things like that. Why don't we do that internally? Why, oh, why? what? Yeah. What did you just say? <laughs> Okay. That's crazy. I love it. Like this is the persona of my CEO. My CEO cares about this and my CEO is this age and my CEO reads this magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm making and jokes here. And he's a first-time founder or a second-time founder because that's a big difference. Yeah, you want to spearfish a CEO? Play to their ego. Get them that keynote speaking engagement. It's all the same tactics. It's all the same mindset whether you're trying, you know. For any CEOs of us listening, this doesn't apply to you. Of course. It applies to other CEOs. Of course. But- <laughs> it applies to mine. Mine would, be, <laughs> mine would be so down to joining something like this and just talking. I will say this to anybody listening. The number one skill that I believe you can learn as a marketer in cybersecurity is cybersecurity. It's not marketing. And more specifically, it's social engineering. Awesome. Set yourself up for success. Set your team up for success. Know the answer to the question you're about to ask before you even ask it. I think this is a great segue into a game where we're going to use our social engineering skills to guess. Are you ready for the game? Yes. (laughs) Don't worry. You don't have to play Clark. You just have to be the subject and you get to decide who's the winner. Okay. So in this game, which we play at the end of every episode, we're going to guess if you are not in your current role, what would you be doing? And it can't be a past role you've had either that we know of. Okay. So okay. who wants to go first? I can go first, Maria, or you want to go? So I need yeah, to come well, up with an answer to that. You should maybe know. You should already know. Don't you know what you <laughs> would be doing if you were oh, in yeah, security yes. marketing? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Clark, I like thinking that this is the only thing you want to do in your life. <laughs> also, dancing is definitely exempt from this. And we forgot to grill Clark Barron on his stage life in his previous life, which I feel like makes him, yeah, makes him who he is today. So let's play (laughs) the game and then we're going to give him 60 seconds to tell us about his previous stage life. Okay. All right. So Clark, now I know that you're a gamer. I feel like you would be in the video gaming industry, maybe writing the stories to video games. Maria, your turn. Yeah, you're always so freaking good at this. Gosh, Tiana. I don't know. I'm going to start playing this game by myself because (laughs) it's always an unfair advantage because she freaking wins every time. I was re-listening to some of our episodes and you've won once. I know know you love me. It's okay. I know you're trying to do this because you love me. Okay, so I think, Clark, if you weren't today in cybersecurity marketing, you would be a radio show host. Boom. Please tell me that's right. So I have to give it to Gianna. Oh yes. my God. I freaking hate her. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't let me go first. You really shouldn't. I said, Maria, do you want to go? And then you were silent. And I was like, okay, I go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell us more, Clark. Tell us more. I have to give Gianna the win on that because actually this will lead into a little bit about my past. I started out in commercial photography. And then I moved into video work. In my personal time, I shoot short films. I write and direct short films and I take them to film festivals. I am also a huge gamer. And so 
you might have sparked something in me that I wasn't even really aware that was there. Yeah. So if I end up on the team writing the next Far Cry or, or something like God of War or Assassin's Creed, then yeah, I'm going to shout you out. But yeah, I think the skill there that popped up throughout my entire career is storytelling. And it doesn't matter if I'm visually telling that story or if I'm telling that story through something like a podcast or on a landing page, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be telling a story wherever I go. And so, yeah, you just nailed it. And that's why. Nice. All right. Now tell us about how you used to tell stories on stage with your body. Okay. So let's pause. Let's. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> very naughty. I don't know. So <laughs> classical ballet is definitely not. It doesn't. Yeah. That. <laughs> My mic's not that magic. So just, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I actually grew up in a uh, performing arts studio. My mom owned a dance company for 35 years. I grew up on stage. If sometime between the years of 2002 and 2007, you were in Six Flags in Atlanta, Georgia, you probably hugged me wearing a bunny costume and everything in between been on stage singing, dancing my entire life. As marketers, we just want attention. That's it. It doesn't matter where it comes from. I think I was just kind of naturally bred for this type of work. (laughs) I love that, Clark. I was on stage very early in my life too, doing theater and dance and all that good stuff. And I do believe it sets you up for your adult life. Absolutely. In your career in many ways that people don't really know. So yeah, that's doing theater and performing for me was just a huge foundation to build off of. It's really something I feel passionate about getting kids into because it's going to help them for success, even in like technical cybersecurity, just having confidence, having the ability to walk up to people and just have a conversation, being able to read people, storytell and get across a message, whatever that message may be. It's something that we all can take a break from this world we live in, super technical, high pressure at times, and just chill, just relax and let somebody tell you a story. Love that. So much respect for your mom right now. Shout out, Clark's mom. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Clark, how can people connect with you or find you if you're open to being connected with? Yeah, so you can check me out on clarkbaron.com. That's my personal website, kind of in the works, just a personal project. My CV, maybe some film stuff, maybe some cybersecurity stuff, some marketing stuff. Drop me a note there. Let's have a conversation and feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Always. Awesome. We'll include both of those in the show notes. Awesome. And that's Clark Barron, Barron spelled B-A-R-R-O-N. Yes. Our listeners know. So Clark, thank you so much for joining us today. This conversation was amazing. I think we're going to have a lot of insights and amazing ideas and advice for our listeners, for the Cybersecurity Marketing Society members, things that they can literally apply today in their marketing strategy. And they would be on this, let's sound different, let's do things different wagon. We are so happy you made time for us today. So thank you so much. Thank you both so, so much for having me. This was absolutely awesome. Okay, everyone, if you're interested in being on the podcast, reach out to us at podcasts with an S at hackervalleymedia.com. If you have interesting stories, amazing cyber marketing ideas, or you're just an awesome, interesting person, (laughs) reach out and we'd love to hear about you. Hey, tune in next Wednesday for the next episode. Like and subscribe. And don't forget, join the society. 